Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, hey, coming in hot, hot, hot. Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Welcome to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, and today we have an awesome guest, Chris Miles, who is an anti-financial advisor. Okay, I'm already liking this because... You know, financial advisors already have this reputation, right? But to be anti, he started down the financial advisor path, but soon realized that his clients had no hope of financial freedom, investing in 401ks and other mutual funds. And I'm going to add annuities. (laughs) I don't like annuities. Um, Chris left the industry to become a passive real estate investor, one of my favorites, and was able to retire when he was only 28. And he got me way beat. Since then, he has diligently taught hundreds to do the same thing he's done, become work optional, where you have enough passive income to work by choice. All right, Chris, retiring at 28, you're just starting your career. (laughs) I mean, how long ago was that? (laughs) Tell us all the things. Yeah, that was good. uh, 18 years ago, give or take, 17, 18 years ago for me. But uh, yeah, it's it definitely was not planned. That's for sure. Because I was definitely not on the path of financial freedom. I was doing the opposite, which was the plan of being a financial advisor, teaching the things that haven't helped people become financially free. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's the thing, like even growing up around money, like money was always, always a scarce thing. I know you guys talk a lot about that money story, right? Um, it was the same for me. Like I was raised by two different parents. My dad was like the traditional, like, you know, you think about somebody who wants to work for a company for 40 years Steph's money into his 401ks and all that kind of stuff. He was the saver while my mom was more the starving artist. You know, she was the entrepreneur and the free spirit. You know, in fact, have you ever seen Bob Ross paint his happy little trees and stuff? She was trained by the same master painter as him. So they were, they were both mentored by the same guy. And so I had two very unique perspectives, but the one thing in common is that they, it was always about scarcity. There was never enough. You know, you hear phrases like, we can't afford this. What do you think I am made of money? Money doesn't grow on trees, you know, and, and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And so I, of course, being a kid and, and especially as you become a teenager, you don't want to do anything that your parents tell you to do. So I wanted to do the opposite. So I went to college. And then when I went to college, I was actually a sociology major with a triple minor in psychology, ballroom dancing in Japanese, you know, <laughs> so kind of a renaissance man that way. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to become a business consultant. And I figured if I'm going to do that, I should have real business experience, not just an MBA. So I took a sabbatical out of college. I said, all right, I better find some business. And the first one that became interesting to me was becoming a financial advisor. Now, I didn't know at the time that anybody that could pretty much have a heartbeat, clean criminal record, and pass a test with at least 70% can become a financial advisor. I didn't realize that really what you were becoming is a salesman in a suit. 
right? Mm -hmm. And so I went that path. And I, and again, I like to be an entrepreneur. I stayed dropped out of college and never finished my degree. And after several years, my dad then asked me, he said, Chris, you're a financial advisor. When are you going to come advise me? Uh And it was like very humbling experience because I wasn't expecting that because he was always the guy that's like, you just do what I say. Now he's saying, hey, help me out. So I sat down with him and he says, all right, Chris, I'm 61 years old. I want to retire. What do I do? And I see that he's got all of his money. He's stuffed his 401ks like every good boy and little girl should do, right? Yeah. He paid off all of his debt. He paid off his house in 18 years. He was so proud of being fully debt-free. I mean, he was like Dave Ramsey's older brother, right? Like Dave Ramsey would have looked up to my dad for advice. And the thing is, I said, dad, I'm going to be honest with you, but uh, if you want to retire right now, you better hope you die in five years because no. that's how long your money's going to last. All right, Chris. Give me, what do I do then? Give me something else. I said, I don't know. You did everything right. You did exactly everything we teach you as financial advisors, and it's just not enough. And that really bugged me. And it bugged me for several weeks. And and I was at this point, I'm like, well, is what I teach really working or not? You know, how do I deal with this dilemma? It was really, in in fact, if anything, it was more of an integrity crisis, right? Do I keep just going down this career because it's what pays me? Or do I leave it because I just realized that even when I, it's not just him, everybody. In fact, it took one of my friends to point it out. He said, how many of your clients are financially free? And as I started looking at even the retired clients, like retired doctors and people like that, even they worried about running out of money too early. Right. And so I said, well, none of them. He's like, well, even better, Chris, how many of you guys as financial advisors are financially free, not off the commissions you're earning, but actually doing these investments? And when I started to really open my eyes and look around, and there's over 100 guys in my office, knowing that there's been guys working there since the late 1970s, this was uh, 2006, right? right? Late 1970s, these guys are still working in this business. I realized at that point, they're not financially free either. So why am I teaching this like it's going to work? And so it was really that point of, do I stay or do I go? I chose the latter. I ended up leaving because I was like, I can't teach something. I'm a horrible poker player. You know, I can't teach something I, I I just don't believe in, you know? Right. And so I left, but that's where I had that opportunity to actually, with my friend where he was doing real estate investing, he had actually left being a financial advisor on my team. I actually hired him. He left to do real estate investing and then was making a ton of money. I started to do some of the same things later that year. Uh, when I was 28 years old, I was able to be financially independent where I was working maybe a couple hours a week, but that was it. I didn't have to really work. Yeah. So I have a question for you to track back a little bit with your dad. When did he start investing in his 401k that he wasn't able to retire? Oh, he he started saving from like day one. I mean, the the guy saved like from his twenties all the way through his, into his sixties. Now 401ks. Now to be fair, he was saving that into like savings or other types of plans at the time. 401ks weren't even available for the average American until about 1984 to 85. So Right. For him, by that point, he'd been putting in it still for over 20 years. Did he right? max so out his contributions? Like, yeah, he was still putting in all of his contributions, right? And getting okay. the match, you know, and everything right. that they brag about that's supposed to help you be free. Yeah. But it just wasn't enough. Because oh, I mean, because I, with my 401k, that's where I made a million dollars, over a million dollars between my retirement investments and the real estate combined. But my 401k alone was well over a million dollars when I retired two and a half years early. And we strategically set it up, you know, in 1990, um, July of 1992. And at the, I maxed out everything. And I, I actually have a thrift savings plan. So we were, back in 1992, they had capped it 
at a dollar amount that did not match the IRS limits. And my husband would get all upset. Why can't you? This is ridiculous. And they finally changed mm-hmm. the rule. Like, I think it was within five years. And, you know, he was the, the investor in our family. And he's like, you got to max this out. You got to max this out. And it's it's pre-tax and da, da, da. And I'd be so mad because every time I got a raise, I would put my money in there and I'd be like, I can't touch it. Who cares? And, you know, every week we would look at it and I'm like, I don't care because I can't touch it until I'm 62. And I was in my late 20s at the time. And it really made me mad. But when I started paying attention, when I started dating money and I looked at the figures, I was like, wow, how can I make this maximize the earnings? And we started playing with the different funds. And I mean, we were, we had an over a 12% ROI for the majority of the 30 years that I had it, that I was contributing to it. So I, I, I see a lot of working in social security which is where I retired from, I see a lot of that where people don't really do the matching. They don't max it out. They take loans from it, which will deplete the, the amount. So there's a different factors that play in there. But the biggest concern, like I talked to people of all walks of life and they had that same concern. Will there be enough? Mm-hmm. So you made that life decision to change your career, realizing that, okay, this financial advisor, and like, you all work on commission, right? <laughs> and yep. You know, when you're not working for yourself, making your own money, you're actually selling this product and then you have to sell what they're offering because you're limited. And I know every broker has like their own little carriers that they work with. And that's like you said, it's like, why am I doing this? So tell us, I love, I was a real estate paralegal. I worked for the bank. So Mm -hmm. um, I love that, that part of it. So tell us you got into investing, but a lot of my clients, a lot of the audience don't understand like the real estate investment. I've had a couple of speakers on here that help people take classes to invest in real estate with no money. So tell us about mm-hmm. your journey. Like you transitioned, you just were basically living off of commissions and you, how did you do it? Tell us the steps that you followed. Yeah. So I ended up quitting completely. Um, I became a more of a mortgage broker at the time. Okay. But I found out something kind of interesting. I had a friend that was uh, another friend that was mentoring me and he said, you know, Chris, do you like doing mortgages? I said, not really doing the paperwork part. I love teaching and I love getting people the results, but I hate the fact that people call me out all hours of the day. The fact that I have to deal with all this paperwork and stuff, like the whole underwriting process, I hated it. Yeah. He said, well, Chris, why don't you find somebody who does like doing that? So what ended up happening is I ended up like firing myself, right? Because I would have people come talk to me about stuff. They just ask financial questions. And I'd say, hey, do you realize you can take equity from your home and invest it and make more cash flow than the payment on your home and all that kind of stuff, right? And uh, and so we start talking about that. They say, great, well, where do we go for a mortgage? I said, well, talk to this guy. And I found a nerd in our office that loves doing paperwork, not so much the guy that's going to you know, be the one talking to people as much, right? So he would do all the work and then I would get paid checks from that. And then, of course, I started taking my money. And instead of focusing on accumulation, right? Because like you talk about 401ks, most people believe in the accumulation theory, which is just that. It's a theory. Um, it's interesting because, you know, like you said, you got a 12% return, but the 401ks don't get that typically. In fact, right, right. if you look at the real results, I mean, even the SP 500 for the last 30 years has only had an actual yield of 7.7%. That's mm-hmm. even up to date as of now. But the funds that you pick, from a 401k, if you're not doing like a self-directed, like you were talking about doing the typical funds that people buy, like in Fidelity, what's ironic is that they're about 2% underperforming the market right now. So Mm -hmm. if you have those like target date, 2050 type of funds, they're actually doing over 2% worse. That's before the 0.75% fee comes out, which comes out of those funds. So in reality, you're making almost 3% less. I mean, you do the math, 
and you find out, wait a minute, I'm lucky to make 5% a year. Even mm-hmm. And even if you get the match with the compounding over time, it only adds about two or 3% a year at most. If you max fund it, one to 2% a year. So you're lucky to get six or 7% a year in a 401k, which is pretty much what about inflation is. So if you save 20,000 year max funding, you end up walking away after inflation with about 20,000 year lifestyle doing that, unless you do it different, right? Yeah. You got to get outside that space. And that's what for me was the big aha was it wasn't about accumulating the money, hoping to live on less than the interest that 3%, the 4% rule is dead. It was dead like 20 years ago when we were teaching it and it's been debunked so many times. Now people can only live on 3% if they want to last. And if you're trying to retire early, like I did, you can only live on 2% and hope to not run out of money in mutual funds, right? right? So you do the math, you got to have like 30 to 50 times that number mm-hmm. and then factor in inflation and everything else. It's a hard, pretty much impossible number to hit. So you need alter investments that focus on cash flow, actual income coming in. Right. And that was the big aha for me is that, wait a minute, I could take $100,000. If I make 1% a month, I make $1,000 a month. As opposed to $100,000 living on 3% in a retirement account, I live on $3,000 a year, right? Or $250 a month. And then I got taxed on it. Or as you said, even worse, if you try to do it early, you get taxed and then penalized on it, right? So then you have like this extra you know, 10% penalty on top of your taxes. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big epiphany for me. That's where it, be- it became hopeful for mm-hmm. me and even for others too. In fact, eventually in 2006 or after 2006 and 2007, moving into that year, I decided to come out of retirement to tell people and kind of wake them up. It's like, there's another option and there's a way to do it actually safer than the stock market because the stock market really just is mediocre returns with high risks. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of bipolar. It's like that crazy ex-girlfriend that I used to have that you know, just made my life miserable, right? That's kind of what the market. Well, like. it's a, it's a great avenue for like you know a lot of the baby boomers transition from traditional pensions to the four hundred one k and that mm-hmm. nine to five mindset. You know, they didn't really most a lot of them didn't have that entrepreneurial spirit. So mm-hmm. for the workers that are nine to five, it's a great avenue, and most Americans don't know how to save. And then, and if you let, unless they take it away from them, you know, this is the only nest egg they have. And as they came in through the Social Security Administration. We'd have people thinking Social Security was their main income for retirement. It's like, no, this is meant to supplement your income, not be your income. And people would be Mm -hmm. in tears at my desk thinking, what have I done? I I can't stop working. I'm 62. I got to work till I'm Mm -hmm. 70 or 80 or, you know, and then when the Obamacare came in, then they were all like, I got to work to just to cover health insurance. I can't afford health Uh insurance for my retirement. And so there was always a scarcity mindset of, I, I can't stop because this is going to happen. But if you can build up that nest egg, that portfolio that's diversified and have these multiple income streams coming in, you get to do what you want to. You don't have to do anything. And real estate right. is one of the best investments, especially when you when you do it right. So tell mm-hmm. us more about that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's, it's interesting too, because you have, you have to look, the thing that was in the only coffin for me was the statistics, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, let's look at the proof. Like real estate investing, the one thing you'll see with millionaires in common, they have real estate. Now, in many cases, it's just their home, but many of them have second, third, fourth plus properties. Right. Yeah, especially when you go beyond the $1 million mark, you get to the multi-millions, then you see more real estate, people that have real estate. And they don't even have to be good because I'll tell you, in the most cases, people aren't doing a good job with the real estate. They could do much, much better than what mm-hmm. they're doing. They're almost accidental millionaires mm-hmm. where those that try to save in like the 401ks, like for example, Fidelity, the statistics, this is what was the nailing coffin for me that got me to leave is that with mutual funds and 401ks, out of all the tens of millions of people in Fidelity's 401ks, 
only 299,000 people have at least a million dollars saved up. Mm-hmm. And you say that, well, it's because people aren't saving. But what's ironic is that the statistics show that over 52% of people that have 401ks contribute to 401ks. Mm-hmm. So the reality is actually most people are savers, not spenders, like what Dave Ramsey's of the world will talk about, right? They'll yeah. say, everybody's a spender. Only the few, the proud of us are savers. That's not true. Majority <laughs> of people are actually are savers. And even my experience has been the case as well with thousands of people, Yeah, but they're saving. And again, they're trying to use that vehicle where again, this, this lackluster returns in their funds and it's just not enough. That's why Fidelity, they're looking at it saying, well, all these baby boomers, which there's 70 million of them, you would think. I would say at least, I think it would be fair to say at least 10 million or so of baby boomers would have a fidelity type of account with their 401k, Yeah. But only 299,000 got there. Well, if over half of them were saving over 5 million, it was 10 million saving. What about the other 4.75 million, right? What happened yeah. to them? And that's just because it's, it's not enough. And, and by the way, even those that did get over a million dollars, um, 35% of millionaires, like 401k millionaires actually believe that it'll take a miracle for them to retire. Because they did the math. They said, well, 3% of a million bucks is only 30,000 a year. That's not enough. I need social security, right? So that's but where you're only do, looking like, at one piece of it, you know, and like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a wealth activator. So I look at all the pieces, the money management and multiplying the money and the different avenues yep. and stuff. And what I find is that people don't pay attention to their money. And, oh, you know, so they'll, true. they'll put it in a 401k or an investment, even real estate. And they're like, let someone else take care of it. What do you mean mm-hmm. you're taking care of your own money? Oh, my financial yeah. guy is that. Okay, well, I hope you know what your financial guy is doing. I mean, I had a financial advisor for 30 years. And when I retired, we had talked, we had that conversation about what to do with my thrift mm-hmm. savings plan. And I didn't like his answer. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. And I knew I had other options, you know, but you work with somebody for so long and you you have, you built up this trust, but they don't always give the best advice because and at the end of the day, it's all about commission, right? It's not about our best yeah. interest. And what I found, right. even with you know people I work with, they were borrowing from their self all the time. I call it stealing from yourself. You're stealing from your future. So do you really right. want to retire? Because if you really want to retire, you're going to make that plan. You're going to change that mindset that says, oh, well... I got, you know, $150,000 in my 401k after working for three years, I'm going to borrow 50,000 and I'm going to go buy a house. Why right. would you do that? No. Yeah. <laughs> Why Especially would if it's not intentional, right? Because exactly. that's, that's the difference between you and a lot of people is that you're yeah. being more conscious with your money, right? Yeah. You're being more intentional with it. Well, and that's what we and, want. We want people to be conscious yeah. with their money and make those, I mean, like you, you had a thought process that said, why am I doing this? Like, what is uh-huh. the why? And I'm, you're spending a lot of time and energy. And, you know, my son was a junior financial advisor and, you know, he did not like the way the industry was. So he got out really quick. And when you think about it, when we're making, when we're earning commission. So a lot of times when we hear real estate, we think, oh, the agents and the brokers making the commission, you know, back in New York, they charge what 7% for the exchange for the buying and selling. So how does an investor make money off of this? If they wanted to buy, if they wanted to invest in multiple properties, what would their first step be? First step is you got to get educated, obviously, because it's not all things are created equal. Uh, For example, I live in the Western half of the United States. Over here, when I get clients, especially from California, things like that, like they'll have a lot of money and they'll say, oh, but isn't real estate horrible? Well, yeah, in California it is. Don't don't you dare buy in your backyard. Most people think you have to buy investments in your own backyard. So Mm -hmm. when people, like you said, they might borrow 50,000 for the 401k to then 
go and put into a property, it's usually buying a property in their backyard that doesn't cash flow well. Where if I look out east, like the Midwest or Southeast, I can, in, in some cases, if when I'm selective, make at least a 10%, what's called a cash on cash rate of return. Meaning that even after I pay the property manager, because I don't manage the properties myself, I like turnkey real estate personally when I right. do that kind of strategy. Um, so when you pay the property manager, you pay for your mortgage, taxes, insurance, hopefully not HOA, but they suck. But sometimes you might have HOA fees. But at the end of the day, the profit you get should be about a 10% return of what you're putting in. So if that down payment on that property was 50000 you better hope that you're making at least 400 bucks a month or so, right? right. Uh, and that's a difference. Like I had a guy named uh, one of our clients. He was actually in California, had a 401k. And he was one of those people that like was very intentional, kind of lucky because he happened to pull his money out of the market in 2000 <laughs> or right for Y2K hit. So he yeah. missed Y2K. Then he was back in, but then he moved it out again um, right before the financial recession hit. So he had a way above average, kind of like you, a way above average return on his 401k. Yeah. And still yet, even though he was one of the highest ranking generals in the, in the military there, um, he still had a million dollars. But of course, he met with this financial advisor who says, great, you can live on 30,000 a year. He said, not in California, I'm not. <laughs> So exactly. he ended up, we ended up doing different stuff. So he went and he bought like a few duplexes that were again, turnkey. So he doesn't manage them. He's hands off on the property, right. but you're still a steward of them. Right. Um, he also got to like some, you know, more of a, you know, Royal uh, mineral rights royalty type stuff where you get paid on the lease of the land that drills oil and gas, but you yeah. also get paid royalties on it too. So you kind of double dip. Um, then he did some things with um, apartment investing as well. Mm -hmm. Where you go into what's called a syndication, where you pool your money together with other investors to buy in a particular deal. Um, after all was said and done, that same million dollars that he had in his 401k, now it was being self-directed into an IRA. Um, that same million dollars was now making him $11,000 a month. Yeah. So that's way beautiful. different than $2,500 a month with uh, an, a 401k that you then have to pay taxes on. So you're lucky to pull out $2,000 a month after that. Now he's right. getting some of these things that have some tax breaks on them too. So he gets to keep more of that $11,000 a month as well. Yeah. And that's a, that's a beautiful way to multiply your money and, and receive passive income and not have to worry about, yeah, this money's working for me. I, and then trust the people that you're working with. So is this something that you offered? Do you, you, you said you're, you said something about teaching. So is, is this your offer for your business? That's what you're doing now. You're helping people invest so they can connect with you. Yeah, we actually, we, we're not investment advisors, but what we do is we help, help them strategize and then connect them with those kind of deals. Um, so we help them strategize, figure out where's the money. Like, how do you get your money out of prison? Because everything with financial advice tells you to lock up your money, lock up an equity in your house, right? Where it makes a 0% return. And then really you don't have any freedom until you finally pay off that house, right? <laughs> um, and even then you're not free. Like many of our clients find out when they're debt free and they have all this money, they said, well, I did everything Dave Ramsey said, and I'm still broke, right? There's no income coming in. Um, even locking it up into certain types of retirement plans. Everything gets locked up, like like you've realized, and then you can't use it. And so we try to figure out how to get that money out of prison to get that money to work harder for you. So you don't have to work so hard for it. Yeah. And so we help them strategize, figure out where the money is, how to use it, where you can use it. Even if you have 401k money, can you actually invest it in some of these other things and which investments might be better? Because for example, there's some investments you would not want to invest with a 401k where mm -hmm. others are perfect because there's no tax breaks on those event, those type of investments and whatnot. Um, even do you use home equity or not? You know, that's a thing that you have to really under, understand the person. Are they a good steward of their money or not? Do they put it in safer places or do they try to gamble with it? Anybody who's a gambler, we just tell them, don't you dare touch that home equity, right? Um, and by the way, we believe low risk creates high returns, not the other way around. Like 
financial advisors have led you to believe. So you take all the risk while they don't, you know? Right. Um, and then, yeah, we even look at ways like to connect them with deals. So people that we've vetted over the years that have had a great track record, they've been through the ups and downs of the markets and yet they still consistently always pay their people. You know, like um, I have a guy that has a fund, like he makes plenty of money on his, on his real estate package, but he'll just pay a flat like 10 or 11 or 12% a year type of return, mm-hmm. you know, and just pay people contractually like it's a debt. So he pays them like they're the bank while he invests that money and takes all, keeps all the profits on top. So there's so many ways to do that. I even have a, a partnership with, with guys that help me buy and sell raw land uh, where we actually sell it on terms. So we sell it for a higher price and we become the bank where we mortgage it back to those people for a couple hundred bucks a month. Um, mm-hmm. But my money is making a roughly about a 45% rate of return on that money that's there. So there's lots of different ways you can invest that most people just don't believe is possible. You know, And that's that's the fun part is that, that light bulb moment when people realize there's this whole other worlds, like taking the, the red pill in the matrix, you know, and you just open up this new world to them and there's hope again. Yeah. I love that. And I love that the diversified ways that you can implement that strategy for each individual, especially people with the more conservative mindset, they know that mm-hmm. they have options. And when they gather the facts, they can make the best decision so that they can like, you know, go beyond what's the dream? What are you envisioning? And when is your retirement date? And, you know, because some people, especially entrepreneurs are like, I'm having fun doing this. I want to, I don't care when I stop working, but knowing that you have the, the amount of money that you want coming in to do what you dream to do, like what's your bucket list? What's your money bucket? Yeah, the option. Yeah. yeah. Have that option. And to me, that's what freedom, financial freedom is all about. Like you're not, you're not strapped. And I, I liked how you described money being in prison. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> For Gary, the gambler, be careful. <laughs> you don't want to mess yep. around too much. I, there's seven money personalities with I date money. It's the money dating game. And it's, you know, each personality, we all have seven of the personalities in us, but we all have one dominant one. And um, Ian, the investor is the most popular one right now. And he's always talking about strategically investing your money to make it grow. But a lot of times, if you can't generate income from those investments, what's the point? And, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what my mindset was back in my late 20s, early 30s. It's like, okay, what's the point? And I had to keep telling myself, well, I'm going to retire. And if I can retire at 59 and a half or, you know, whatever age it was thinking I had to work till I was 62, like I didn't have to do anything. And that's what the beauty is. And I, I find even like you had said, you know, doctors and lawyers retire, so to speak, and they still feel like they don't have enough money. And like, is it taken yeah. care of? So well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. What words of wisdom can you give to our audience? I'll just say this. Uh, there's always hope, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, it's probably easier than you realize it is. Um, I think it's it's funny because I had this woman in Arizona. She, you know, She's single, 55, and she's saying, hey, I've got 250000 in my mutual funds, and uh, I want to try to retire, but it seems like it's pretty far-fetched because you know I want more income. I said, well, how much income are you wanting? 2000 a month. 24,000 a year? Yeah. And she was a health coach, right? And it's like, you realize all you all you have to do is you can actually retire this year. I know your financial advisor said it'd be at least 10, 15 years down the road, assuming the market smiles on you, but you could actually retire this year. And she's like, what? Come on. Is that too good to be true? I'm like, no, I'm being conservative. 10% is a low number. <laughs> like, you could do better. Um, I'm like, it's not like it's guaranteed, but it's definitely a lot better than trying to gamble, hoping that stock market smiles on you just when you want to retire, you know, and then Mm -hmm. it goes down. Like what happened to my dad, right. With Y2K and the great recession, you know, that was a big hit. Um, 
And so those, that's the thing is like, there's so much more hope, so many more options than you realize is available to you. The only reason you don't know about it is because like you said, financial advisors aren't paid to tell you that. In fact, they will tell you to do something only what pays them, which is throw your money away, set it, forget it, set it there forever. And hopefully someday you have something. And I'm yeah. just saying there's a, there's a better way. And it's so important to, to be diversified because I don't know if you're familiar with Global Crossings, but back in my hometown, Rochester, New York, that was a strong company for the local phone company. And a lot of people fully funded that 401k with Global Crossing and it went bankrupt and they actually stole from their people. But I had a lady that was going to, it was the day before her 62nd birthday and she was all excited Mm -hmm. to retire. And she lost every single thing that she had in her 401k. And she came into our my office and she's like, well, how much money do I get from social security? And she was shocked. She's like, and cried. She's like, I'm not gonna be able to retire. She says, five days ago, I could have retired as a millionaire. Now I'm broke. I have nothing. And now she had to go get it. You know, she, I don't know if she got another job or not, but it was really sad. But yeah, yeah. definitely. There That's, is hope. Diversify. There is. Um, and we'll, what's the best way to connect with you? Best way you can go to moneyripples.com. That's a great website. You can check out there. Lots of information there and, and education. You can also follow our podcast, which is the Money Ripples podcast on YouTube or iTunes. Okay. I love that name, Money Ripples. <laughs> That's a great name. Well, thank you so much for sharing the t- your time with us here and um, your expertise. We really appreciate it. And for those listening... Pleasure. Please show some love on the show, subscribe, share the episode. This will also be on YouTube and um, just leave some comments, ask some questions, check out Money Ripples, go visit that site. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you have, it's what you do with it. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to rate the show. Give us some love. We would love your review. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. And some words of advice, pay yourself first. Are you ready to partner with money? Go check out the money dating game at idatemoney.com and choose your partner. We hope you always get the date you want. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.